The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. The following is for adults only. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. And continuing from last week's Medjinomics show, Our Lady's words, Everything is passing. Everything is falling apart. Only the glory of God remains. So everything is going down. Everything has a judgment against us. What are your decisions and what are you clinging to or what are you holding on to that you can keep that doesn't fall under the category I already just said? It's passing. What you have, what you're doing, what you are going to grow into as far as your work must be for the glory of God, because it won't pass. We were just reading an ingredient, some, something from a horse product, that it said this was designed with the grace of God, and then it added ingredients to it. And then it goes on more about the ingredients, and then it ends with this, that by the glory of God, 
something to that effect. Everything is of God. And he says, she is part of God. She is in God. If you're with her, you're in her. And you're part of God. She's relayed this to us. So all your decisions in the future, for not the past, has to be connected to God. You people who run businesses, who run corporations, who are in your work, why would you not put down your ingredients? Our Lady wants you to be bold, proclaim you're connected in your life, in your work, to God. You're here for one purpose, as a test to see where you'll spend eternity. Everything should be that you do and control, be connected to eternity in a way that you acknowledge God because people are forgetting God. And because of that, they've forgotten the way. You must be challenged in your corporation, in your work, whatever you do, that you start putting in your ingredients for your product or on the product manufactured, what Chick-fil-A does on their signs on Sunday. Clothes in honor of the king. They're not ashamed. And they're flourishing. We have a secularization of the Christian thinking that he has two lives. If everything is of God and only the glory of God remains, then everything you should be doing is to protect what you have, protect who you are, protect your family, that is in the glory of God because that's what's going to remain just like after Noah and Ark and the flood. What remained? Only those who glorify God. You don't want to do it through your work, through your glance, through your place, through what you possess? Then don't do it because you'll lose it. The world's in a moment of trial. Our lady is not here to waste our time or joke or give threats. She's here for reality. And if you want what you have and what you touch to remain, because everything is passing, everything is falling apart, only the glory of God remains, then it has to be in God's glory. It has to be for the purpose of glorifying God. That means your money, your company, your pets, whatever you do. If you're not doing it for God's glory, not through ego, but to really increase the kingdom of God on earth, the kingdom of love, our lady says, then that will pass to the flood. That will pass to the purification. Our lady said April 25th, 1983, be converted. It will be too late when the sign comes. Beforehand, several warnings will be given to the world. Hurry to be converted. I need your prayers and your penance. My heart is burning with love for you. Few it is not enough to be converted. To ask questions is unimportant. Be converted. Hurry to proclaim it. Are you proclaiming it in your work? Do you own a company that produces something like computers or whatever else and you got something on there that signifies that you consecrate this through God's hands for God's glory that it will increase the kingdom, increase conversion? Or you're worried that may lose sales. Lose the sales rather than lose it all. Be converted. Hurry to proclaim it. Tell everyone that is my wish and that I do not cease repeating it. Be converted. 
be converted. It is not difficult for me to suffer for you. I beg you, be converted. I will pray to my son to spare you the punishment. Be converted without delay. You do not know what God's plans are. You will not be able to know them. You will not know what God will send to the earth, nor what he will do. I ask you to be converted. That is what I wish. Be converted. Be ready for everything. Be converted. That is part of the conversion. Goodbye, and may peace be with you. Will it? Will you remain in peace? We have now Satan catching us in all kinds of ways. We heard a homily this past Sunday that was beautiful. And it talked about a monkey, what the priest said. Talked about in North Africa, they take a coconut, they cut it in half, they put an orange in it, they cut a little hole into it. And the monkey reaches in that hoe, grabs the orange, and the natives come up real slyly, real quietly, and capture the monkey. Gotcha. Because he won't let go of that orange. He'll hold on to it and do it, do whatever he has to do to pull that out without ever letting go of it. What in your life that's going to pass that you're going to hold to, the devil's going to get you? Our lady's given a clear warning. Everything is passing. Everything is falling apart. And you're not going to let go of it. You're not going to change it to glorify God. Then the devil's got you. It's real clear. It's pristine clear. We have so many things happening in the world today so quickly that the devil now is coming toward the Vatican to get him, to catch it, catch you. We had this past Monday also, Christopher Columbus Day. Now we're changing, nine cities have changed it to Indigenous Day. And they vilify Christopher Columbus. This is part of the agenda because the white European male, I just read recently, the only good one is a dead one. There is hatred for the male, especially the white European male. Why? Because all our history is written by him in this nation and much of the world. And he's despised. Why? Because Christianity is despised. They're doing revisionism, saying what all Christopher Columbus did, and they're getting more and more people to go away from these standards that were set, the civilized, uncivilized people. We don't have to apologize for people who were living as natives that God didn't ordain that they be Christianized, to be civilized. And we're living in an uncivilized society today. And we want to pay more respect to pagan religions of indigenous people. This is contradicting Jesus Christ himself when he says, go out and witness to the whole world. Go out and convert the whole world. Now we want an apology. We want to put us on equal standards with everything else, including pagan religion, that it would be wrong to try to convert them to Christianity. And so we take second seat. And all this comes back down from verbiage, what we've talked about before. The father in the home, the male, is hated. And I would include other people of other races as hated. 
And at the top of the food chain is the white European male who's hated the most. Is that saying, is there other people, other races? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying out of Christian Europe came Christianity to a people whose heart was begging for it from paganism to be Christianized. Be who they were, slaves, indigenous people, and we're doing every move we can to the professors and universities to go back to that. The name of this article is The Real War is on Men, Not Women. Watch the trailer for the recent Disney-Pixar movie, Inside Out, and you will get a glimpse of Hollywood's warped ideas about men and women. The star of the scene is a concerned mother who is sensitive to her daughter's feelings and takes charge in a difficult parenting situation. The butt of the jokes is a clueless father who daydreams about sports, provokes his daughter, and creates disaster by getting angry instead of getting to the root of his daughter's distress. Viewed alone, the scene is amusing, especially for fathers who may feel like they're watching a home movie instead of an animated kids' movie. But viewed in the context of today's barrage against dumb dads, the trailer looks more like the latest battlefront in the war on men. Masculinity is under attack on multiple fronts in America, in schools where boys are treated like defective girls, in colleges where young men are presumed guilty of attacks unless proven innocent, and even in the Justice Department where they are treated more harshly than women. PJTV tackles all of these topics and more in a new six-part video series. Bill Whitley leads the roundtable discussion with a cast of eight PGTV regulars and contributors who kick it off with a critique of the current attitude towards boys. Whitley notes that the boys are being medicated for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder at more than twice the rate of girls, simply because they are more energetic than girls. Dr. Helen Smith, a forensic psychologist and author of Men on Strike, says that it is a direct result of liberal policies shaping public schools for the past three or four decades. People don't know how to deal with boys, says Smith. And what they're doing is using drugs as an avenue for having boys be cooperative and fitting into a school system that oftentimes they don't fit into. The war on men continues once boys head off to college. The outcry against the assaults by men culture on campuses has created a scenario within feminists are so determined to be right that they believe the worst about men and even publish hoax stories like the one in Rolling Stones about a supposed assault at the University of Virginia. There's this narrative that fraternities are just evil, filled with terrible men who are just preying on women, said Ashy Squall, a staff writer at the Washington Examiner. The war also rages in today's American workplaces, with the focus there encompassing disordered claims of wages inequality for women. Widow challenges the math behind those complaints, 
noting that they do not take into account factors such as men working longer hours and gravitating towards work that is more dangerous. The so-called war on women is a great political issue, and we've seen President Obama basically make up statistics and make up facts, PG Media contributor Paula Boyard said. Yes, there's a wage gap, but it's because of different choices that women make. In the home, the war on men is being waged through movies, television shows, and even commercials that portray dads as incompetent bozos. The wife is always smarter, says PGTV contributor Scott Ott. She's always got that acerbic wit that bests her husband, and the husband is either sort of a hapless dunce with a heart or a hapless dunce without a heart. Whittle illustrates the point by contrasting Ward Cleaver of Leave it to Beaver with Homer Simpson of The Simpsons. PJTV contributor Stephen Cruiser says the TV commercials are even worse than the shows. They reinforce the children are going to starve if the father doesn't get them to a fast food outlet, he says. With stereotypes like that being perpetrated, it should not come as a surprise that men do not fare as well as women in the justice system, be it higher conviction rates than women for equal crimes or the assignment of child custody to women in divorce cases. Our whole welfare state is predicated on the notion that men, that fathers, that husbands are essentially disposable and can be replaced by a paycheck, comments PGTV contributor Stephen Green. PG Media contributor Rhonda Robinson agrees with Whittle's conclusion that feminism has gone beyond the pursuit of equality for men and women, such as the right to vote, to actually destroying masculinity so women can be better than men. The turning point, she says, came in 1963 with the publication The Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedan. Today's feminists want a gender-neutral world, Robinson says. They want to ignore the fact that there are differences, because there are differences. If there are differences, then you have to acknowledge the strengths and weaknesses of each. I will teach you truth so you know how to discern. Why is that important? Because from the very beginning, Satan's efforts was to put the woman in charge and make man second. And he submit to her rather she submit to him. This writing just said that the man's disposable for a paycheck. It contradicts itself because it makes acknowledgement that what they want is just the money, which means he's the main provider. If a woman does equal work that a man does, who should get paid more? The man, because he's a provider. I don't care whether you think it's an injustice or not. It's the way it is. And when it comes to the court system, they give the kids to the woman. And then he's got to pay for it. So it's self-admission to this truth. You cannot get away from truth. You can bear it. You can hide it. You can lie about it. But it comes back. And even in his hypocrisy of the courts, acknowledges it because he's the provider. And we have wailing and grinding of teeth because she may not get paid the same 
as a man, which in most cases now she's paid more than a man. It's the man who's the provider. But in this gender-neutral world, it's reversed. Because Satan has to reverse it. Because if he puts down the male, he puts him second, then woman's in charge. And the world will be a disaster. Because she wasn't made to be in that order. And because she's not made to be in that order, all you'll have is disorder. And then it comes back. And so we're in trouble. But bigger than you know, because when Our Lady said, I will teach you truth, how to discern, or for the purpose, we go to the next level. Things that you might not be able to see is connected to this. And that's the church itself. We're having a synod about the family. And the synod is, is to urge Catholics not to use derogatory words against the bonobos. And I won't say the nice word they say, I say bonobos. Years ago, I was approached to go speak at a church about something about a crucifix been taken down. After the meeting, went through everything, and I came outside, and I had a real strong discernment that I made all the points. They were acknowledged. Everybody patted me on the back because I was asked invited to come there and speak on behalf of a crucifix not coming down. But in my gut, walking back to my car in a dark parking lot, I said to myself, I've been had. They're not going to change anything. They're going to do what they did. I didn't know what process or how that worked. I just knew it. They just got me there to blow off steam. The facts, absorb them, absorb the insults or hit or whatever they attack if they couldn't debate back. And they did what they wanted to do. Years later, Medjugorje were called to Chepi for a worldwide conference on Medjugorje centers. And what they did to us is they broke us down in groups. We separated. They did it in different languages, for your language, German to German, English to English. If the English group was big, those groups were broke, which it was. We might have been broken up in six groups, about five or six apiece, with a facilitator. And this was part of the system there that the Franciscans had. And we came up with things that Medjugorje needed or what we'd be doing in the future as ideas. We knew what they were. And then we got back together as a big group and they said they'd mail us everything in the conclusions later. A month later, we got all the decisions, and none of them was what we decided. We had been had. I was shocked. I said, this is communism. It's even in the church right there. They use the same methods or something. I didn't know what the method was. It was only years later did I learn and discover what it was. Alinsky. You hear about Obama, the Alinsky process, Saul Alinsky or the Delphi process, where they break you up in groups, they have a facilitator, then he listens to you, lets you say what you want to say, and then they go do what they did, what they did just like at the church I spoke at. I was participating in a Alinsky process without even realizing it. I knew something was wrong about it. To Chepi, I didn't think about that. I was shocked until I read it a month later. We'd been had. It was predetermined. This is a process that's used over and over and over. We've spoken before when the USDA came to Birmingham because they wanted to chip, computer chip, every chicken you had, every cow you had, and they arranged places across the United States to go speak. Birmingham was one of them. 
except we knew what they were going to do. And so we had a lot of time. We could get up there and speak in front of everybody before they broke up in groups. And what I did is I had my time allotted. And the next person in the community came in. We had numbers one after another. And I foregoed my time to read out of Joan, who I got up there, out of Look What Happened When I Was Sleeping, which explained the Delphi process, Alinsky process. And every time she ran out of time, I said, no, I'm foregoing my time. I want to hear her. We we got her about 10 minutes to read the whole thing. They tried to break everybody up in groups after that, but after that, they heard the process. Nobody would go in groups. They kept going to the crowds. We were all talking to each other, and it broke the whole thing. We broke it to pieces. So you had the Synod going on, and they're going to use, they're going to stop using derogatory names. They don't want to call sin sin anymore. They want a rose color. They want to make it nice. But a number of the bishops are a little bit bothered by the Synod because they said, quote, a number of the fathers, speaking of the bishops, has written to Francis and and, um, some other cardinals, mainly to Francis, Pope Francis, because a number of the fathers feel the new process, which they're going to use to run the Synod, seems designed to facilitate predetermined results on important disputed questions. People, there's something very evil going on in the Vatican right now. And it's called the Linsky process, the Delphi process. I've had personal experience with it. I never thought I'd see the day it would get into the Vatican to come up with a decision. So that we won't use the derogatory names against abominable people who live the high lifestyles. We don't want to hurt their feelings. This is a synod about marriage. The devil is going to do everything he can to come up with just a few verbiage changes that you all participate in. You're not setting your, your feet in the ground and, and standing on foundation. You just you participate in this. You still use a three-letter word, a nice word to explain abominable lifestyles. And now we've got it in the Vatican. Oh, am I stretching this? It's not really going to be that. The Vatican would never do that. A report says, after an opening discussion in which prelates had the opportunity to speak briefly to the entire assembly, that's exactly what we did at USDA. That's what we did in Chippy. Before we broke up into groups. And this says, speak briefly to the entire assembly. The Synod broke up into 13 groups for more intense discussions. This is 120%. Solinsky. Continue to quote. These groups divided by language, four used in English, three Spanish, three French, two Italians, and one German, delivered their initial report on Friday, October 9th. This is fresh out of the Vatican. They've got their initial reports, which is predetermined. That's what the bishops wrote about. Facilitate predetermined results. Some of the bishops who expressed concern, they said the concerns expressed by the bishops in several small groups reports that the negative impact of gender ideology and ideological colonization a developing world was a problem in the church. 
gender ideology? What are they talking about this for? What is ideological colonization? Anti-Christopher Columbus? Pro-indigenous? We can't convert these people. We got to respect their religion. Respect them as a person, but not the religion. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Where'd that go? It went out with the Lasky process. The conclusion was, at least the report, from the meetings was a church to provide better support for families struggling to meet the demands of Christian marriage. Oh, how powerful. Oh, how profound. I want to go out and help everybody now because if we've got something from the church that can tell us what we need to do. What's the quote? What was the conclusion of these facilitated groups? Predetermined? Quote, more attention needs to be given to theological reflections on the faithful, loving married couple and family who so often heroically live an authentic witness of the grace of the family. Won't that stop divorce? A statement like that is so earth-shattering, so atomic bombing in the heart, and it, everybody now, divorce is going to stop. They have spoken. This facilitated group, we're saved, everybody. The family is saved. Quote, the message of the Synod must announce the good news of Jesus Christ clearly and attractively. Oh boy. Oh boy. I can't contain myself sitting here in this chair. I just want to just run around in circles with joy of this profound statement of the Synod. Am I making fun of it? No, this is a tragedy. The communists said, we don't want the whole movie. We want 5% of the party line. Maybe some good things will come from the sunrise, but they got their 5% because this is easily identified factually that there was a predetermined outcome. Because we don't want to use derogatory words anymore. We don't want to call sin nothing. The English group B agreed that the analysis of the this quote that the analysis of the difficulties which the family faces was too negative. So we don't want to be negative. We don't want to say sin. You can't divorce. We can't do this. You can't. Oh, we want to just say, oh, you got to be good. They said, despite the challenges that the family face in every culture, families with the assistance of divine grace do not find within them the strength to carry out their vocations of love, to strengthen the social bonds, and to care for wider society, especially for the most vulnerable. I'm sick of hearing this stuff for years. We see this in the church continually. I was just in church in Atlanta last Sunday, and they did the prayers of the faithful. And they sit there and talked about all the injustices and everything taking place. The same old stuff the church has been saying forever. And they talked about gun control. They talked about the death penalty. Before they talked about that, they talked about uh, something about the indigenous people. I said no out loud. And then I got back in my piece, and they were doing more, three more things. And then they said another thing is about the Oregon shooting. They talked about that. They said on that that what took place there, uh, we gotta get rid of all the guns, basically, and we gotta get rid of the death penalty. That time I said loud, I said loudly enough for everybody in the church to hear me. No, I didn't feel embarrassed about that. My wife usually would say, "Don't do that." This time she didn't say anything because she knows I'm gonna do that. 
We need to start standing up in church and say, no, don't, I'm not going to answer that. We've got things being crammed down our throat and we sit there passively of things that we know that all the gun shootings has taken place where those have happened, they were gun-free zones. The killers purposely pick gun-free zones. Only two schools since 1950 that was not gun-free have been shootings in there. It's proven they go to that. So don't tell me, get rid of guns. That's a whole other issue. I don't want to get off the point. But what I'm saying, I stood up there. I didn't have to stand up. I just said no for my seat. That you've got to start fighting back. Don't just sit in a pew and accept this. So you got the groups. They go on about these challenges, talking about everything, the wider society, all the socialist justice that we have in the church, which is killing us. Then they go to English Group C. They also call for less negative reading of history, culture, and the situations of the family at this time. English Group D said the synod message should begin with hope rather than failures. And remark, the text lacked anything that would attract people. See, we got to be so positive. we got to be so nice. Everything has to be so sweet. People are attracted to it. No, people are attracted to the Marines for the, the, the regimented life that they live and train in. The Navy still the same thing. Christians are people who are ready to spill their blood. That's what people are attracted to. They want to know divorce is wrong. They want to know what's right. They want to know abominable lifestyles will send you to perdition. But no, you know what they say? When they say we can't be derogatory? Another report says the Synod of Bishops is calling on Catholics to avoid condescending language toward abominables. Instead of finding ways to welcome them as sons and daughters of the church. See, they give truth with lie. We know they're sons and daughters of the church, but they need to repent as sons and daughters of the church because they're in sin. Am I stretching this? Is this too harsh? Quote, the bishop said there must be an end to exclusionary language and a strong emphasis on embracing reality as it is. You got to embrace them as the reality of who they are, how they're born, which is a lie because they're not born that way. We should not be afraid of new and complex situations, said Father Tom Rissisco, summarizing the calls made by the bishops. He said the bishops call for a new form of language, and particularly speaking of abominables, to advocate more welcoming to the church in keeping with the vision of Pope Francis. Is that really Pope Francis' vision, or is it a Delphi process that the media is reporting something opposite? I don't know what he's saying, but I doubt what they're portraying is completely accurate. This father... Rasika says, for instance, he says Catholics should stop using the word pity on abominables. They use a three-letter word because this is derogatory word. Pity? No, because pity signifies something of sin. It's a pity to go to hell. It's a pity to live that way. He said that's derogatory. This priest says, we do not pity abominable persons, but we recognize them for who they are. I don't recognize them as a gender other than what they're born with as a gender they are. Why should you do anything different, much less the church? 
Of course, the report says the new approach runs opposite the document written by Pope Benedict, that these abominables are intrinsically, as described, intrinsically disordered. But now we got a new synod, and you can bet, no matter what they come to conclusion, the bishops, the fact they went through a Delphi process, they'll change even the decisions that would be against this. Because the group B asked for a positive, the French group, asked for a positive outlook on today's family. The French group C suggested that all final texts should give heart to the families, showing confidence we have in them, boosting their confidence in us. As bishops, I added as bishops, if they even said this, because the facilitator translate what they agreed on, so we don't know what all was said. But what do we know is that this is an evil thing that's taking place. The French A group combined two of the bishops' most frequent complaints. See, this is a Delphi. The bishops may not even said this. They combined two of the bishops' most frequent complaints, saying it is not good for the synod to focus only on problems and crisis that confront the families of the West. Why not? The problem is we're not confronting problems of the West, of the families. Despite some criticism of instrumentum laborists, that was a process that labeled the Linsky process, because you can't call it that. We'd know what it is, so let's change the name of what the process is. The working groups generally voiced confidence that the Synod could produce a positive message at a press conference briefing after the release of the small group reports. That's the key words, small group. So where are we? We got our hand in the coconut. We're holding the orange. We're not going to let go of it until the devil comes and says, gotcha. It's amazing to me that our lady tells us when we didn't even have the comprehension to discuss the things we discussed that way back in 1983 on April 25th, she says, be converted, be converted, be converted, be converted. So my, my son wants to spare you the punishment. This sins, these things bring punishment to the world, not by God, but by man. He calls down the wrath of God by God abandoning him. The wrath of God is exercised where he's not because the devil will come in on it. We do nothing except erase our forefathers, George Washington, Benjamin Franklin. All these people are evil. I read a report about Christopher Columbus changing this day, and it says, oh, yes, they did good things, but they, they, they did great evil. Is it great evil to Christianized people? Slavery goes back thousands of years. You have to go in the mentality of what was accepted, not as necessary evil as we see it today, but at the time. The church progressed from paganism. We've progressed from slavery. Doesn't mean George Washington, who owned slaves, was evil. Go to Mount Vernon and read what he did. He had a retirement plan for him. The black kids went to school with the white kids, slaves with white children. Everything's in revisionism. Everything's made to be a lie when there were many good things, beautiful things that built this nation. I just heard a clip from a black guy at a Donald Trump rally who says, Obama has abandoned us. I'm going to be standing up. I'm one man. He took over the whole crowd. He said, look at us blacks. We're getting murdered. We're getting killed. We can't feed our babies. And it wasn't blacks who built America. It was whites who built it with blacks. We both built it together. Donald Trump, he's making it. He's promising something for America. 
He said, I want you. He had the whole crowd hollering, Trump, 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 Trump. Whether you agree with Trump or not, even these people of this persuasion who he, he actually says that he, Obama has hurt him. Obama has put him where he is. And he says, you betrayed us completely. He says, Trump's my man. This is not a political commercial. I'm just giving you the truth. That everything that seems right is wrong and everything that seems wrong is right. We're erasing a history. What are you going to do? You need to make changes in your life. The place to start, I just got to read another report we don't have time to go into about the banks have been nationalized. How they're doing is through FDIC. Since you're insured by the federal government, then you're going to do what we tell you to do. They're using some of the funds that they, they drop penalties on the banks. I didn't go into the details of it to fund for the next three years some highways. So there, it's there. Socialism. Get your money out of your bank. Medianomics is about that. You put it in something where something is intrinsically evil, which is our money system, and the system is going down and it's going to pass because everything's falling apart, and put in something intrinsically good. It has value, rather, because silver can be made bad by the intentions of the heart. But as far as silver as a metal, it has an intrinsic value that can't be taken away. Evil is evil. You can't go and sanctify Satan and say, well, you convert to Jesus Christ. Everybody in hell is going to get together. Hey, let's end this suffering. Let's all vote and go to, go to the big guy and say, Mr. Mr. Satan, why don't you just convert and let's, let's relieve this and let's go see if Jesus accepts us. Because it won't happen because he intrinsically evil. Our ladies relate to us to the miserable visionaries. He never contemplates leaving hell. He hates God so much. He would never do that, nor anybody in hell. They hate God more than they did on the earth. So go what is intrinsically of value and go away from what is intrinsically evil that distances you from God because whatever is not of God's glory is going to go away and fall apart. So in order to secure your wealth, your money that you have earned with your labor, uh, that uh, right now you may be keeping in banks or 401ks or uh, some kind of retirement plan, you can contact Frank Williams with Global Silver Investors, and he can assist you in transferring that into the miraculous metal Medjugorje Silver Round. And that's a one-ounce silver medallion. That's for the purpose of, number one, helping to secure your wealth, but also uh, to place it in something that has value not only in the silver, but also in its religious image that it contains. So this is a beautiful round. Everyone who has transferred into the Miraculous Metal Medjugorje around has said they have so much peace in their heart, knowing, first of all, how beautiful it is, the image that's on it, what it means. And so you can get in touch with Frank. His toll-free number is 877-936-7686. Again, that's 877-936-7686. The email address is globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. That's globalsilverinvestors.com at yahoo.com and the website is globalsilverinvestors.com there's general information there now, I don't want anybody to be misinterpreting what we say when we have just this the word secure secure your wealth is not really necessarily going to secure your wealth what it's going to do is protect your wealth because your wealth may be something or x, x dollars in a certain amount silver can go down but it will never be worthless the dollar can go down and it's worthless and it can inflate when it goes up and it takes more dollars actually it's 
it's worth less. So there's no guarantee of security of anything. In fact, the scripture says even your silver can be, be brought on you. Your intention has to be pure. And the purpose of getting in the silver is to make moves that you can make at this moment, this exact moment, today even, take your retirement, your money's out, put it in that until you can get to your land because the real gold, the real silver is to have a means of way of life that I've shown us is based in a grand way of life, getting your food from your ground to your mouth. And everything that involves that from your equipment to whatever you do. And living that grand way of life as you all seen in the painting, for the Angelus is a husband and wife standing there with the tools in their field praying. When your knees are in the dirt, you don't have very far to fall. When your knees and your legs or your feet up on skyscrapers, you've got a long way to fall. And we saw that symbolically in the World Trade Center, the financial center spot geographically on the world, destroyed in less than an hour. And don't think the same thing is not coming. Don't think that was a prophecy. So you do this not to get in the silver, not to be hoarding anything. You get it so you can have some means of exchange to get land that you can't buy in one day because it takes effort. It takes energy to get out and go look for a place to get out. But we recommend for you to get out because everything is passing and everything is falling apart and you want to have a place of yours that will glorify God. And so it is. We wish your lady... We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Metronomics show with a friend of Metrigoria. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000. Thank you for listening.